Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. December 31st, 2019, end of a year, end of a decade, uh, end of the Blog Talk Radio Show for 2019. This will be our last episode uh, for 2019. You know, we're going to hear a lot of stuff about, you know, New Year, New Me, New Year resolutions, all that's going to be coming up, and rightfully so. Now's the time to talk about it. We made it through Christmas. I trust that Christmas and Hanukkah and uh, Holidays and family and all those celebrations were good to you. Um, and that you had an opportunity to reflect. I know that I did. I surely did. And I'm noticing, and maybe it's a sign of maturity. Please don't say that. I said that out loud. Maybe it's just the times that we're in. I don't know. But the holidays like these are becoming more of a time of reflection, of looking back and seeing where I was when I started the year and where I was this time last year and what has accomplished and the hardships that we've been through and the trials. And at the same time, uh, some of the celebrations, some of the great things that have occurred as well. Today, I want to talk to you about three, not much of a systematic point by point preacher. Um, I'm a little more expository, but this is one of my favorites. I, I try to do this about once a year because it's one of those things where sometimes when you have these lessons, uh, that you teach, you, you, you pull them up a year, a year or two later, and you're like, what was I thinking? Oh, my God, I'm an idiot. Or I look at something because it's not that God changes or the scriptures change, but my theology changes, my understanding of them change, because as my life progresses and goes through different challenges, I begin to see things differently in a way. And it's amazing to me that no matter how far those things may be or how much they may change the scriptures, God, he never changes. We're going to be studying out a book of Ecclesiastes today, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 9 through 12. Uh, I'm sorry, 11, verse 9 through chapter 12, verse 1. You're like, oh, wait a minute. We can't do that. You can't go from one chapter to another. That's just forbidden. I know. For many people, they're shocked to find out that the Bible wasn't actually written in chapters and verses. But we'll get to that on another topic. Today, we're going to talk about rejoice, remove, and remember. Rejoice, remove, and remember. Ecclesiastes is often referred to as a wisdom book. Uh, It offers us insights into the thoughts of a king, the king of Israel, and a man who was well-known for his wisdom, a gift he was given by God. Solomon is the attributed author of the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, this book, different from Proverbs, it's kind of a series of pithy-type Statements, axiom statements, if you do this, then this happens. The absence of this causes the presence of this. 
But this book is a series of writings that covers a wide range of topics. And sometimes they're in short bursts, and they're seemingly not in any particular order. Now, many Bible teachers, many churches, many pastors, ministers, they, they avoid this verse except for the occasional uh, uh, book, except for the occasional verse grab. Because if you read it from cover to cover, it's a difficult read. It's hard to stay with, hard to understand. Now, we all know the story of, Saul, of David leading to Solomon, Solomon leading to his son. And we've always wondered, how does the wisest man in the world, the wisest king of Israel, he builds Israel to this incredible uh, state of wealth, uh, military power, uh, the temple. But his son wasn't that great of a guy. And some of it comes down to the idea, and I've heard this said before, is that you know, there are people who are examples in your life, and there are people who are signposts in your life. And we need them both. But an example is somebody who says hard work is how things get done and continues to have a hard work and hardworking type ethic. Then there's people who say hard work is a way to get it done, but they don't actually do it. So there's, there's people who set examples, and there's signposts that point directions. We think that Solomon perhaps was a little more of a signpost kind of guy than he was an example kind of guy. Now – People often this, – this narrative of this book is this elder figure. He's counseling his son on life's many challenges, and people often describe the Bible as a book of no. No, no, no. Don't do this. Don't do this. But Solomon, he seems to disagree. Let's start with chapter 11, verse number 9. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood or the days of your youth. Let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart. And the desire of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you into judgment for all these things. Now, here's the Bible verse, a little contrary to what you hear from most of our pulpits. He says, Follow the impulses of your heart, follow the desires of your eyes. Judaism teaches that rejoicing is an act of the heart, it's something that's felt very deeply. Let your heart be pleasant, let your heart have the attitude of appreciation. And gratitude. This goes a long way towards having a healthy emotional and spiritual life. And I cannot emphasize enough the power of appreciation and the power of gratitude. These are powerful things. You know what's really great uh, for guys like me that don't like spending money? These are cheap things too. They're free. Letting somebody know, having an attitude of gratitude towards the things that happen to you. Because a lot of times, we look at situations in our life and we say, well, I didn't think I would be here at this point in my life. I didn't think this. I didn't think that. I'm not making enough money. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And all those things may be very true. But yet there's other things that we have on a daily basis that we need to remind ourselves to have that attitude of appreciation, that attitude of gratitude, the, the ability to look at something. Man, I am grateful for my job. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends, I'm grateful for maybe the hobby that you have that you love or, or there's whatever it may be that we're grateful for these things. Most people seem to want to be miserable, and they want to share their misery with others. And at the same time, that pulls down those that express any degree of happiness. There's a TV show that my wife and I watch. I can't, I'm blanking on the name. Oh, What We Do in the Shadows. And it's, just, it's kind of a mockumentary about the lives of vampires. And it's the story of these three vampires and the guy, the human that helps them. And they're just kind of 
bumbling around and they're not these powerful, mighty vampires that you would think, you know, you see for the movies. The one of them, the fourth one, he's a daywalker. He's an energy vampire. His name is Colin. And all Colin does is go around and get people talking about things. And his job is to make you crazy. He will argue anything like where the name, what was the original origin of the eraser? I mean, who cares? And then as the person gets more mad or how far should you stick a Q-tip in your ear? Who cares? But this guy, he feeds off. He doesn't drink anybody's blood. He feeds off of all their negative energy. That's what makes you – he's an energy vampire. You've always heard that term energy vampire. We're here. They kind of fleshed out the idea of what one would be like, and it is awesome. He can actually walk into a room where two people are arguing, and he's got nothing to do with it, and he's just getting off on that too. He's like, oh, yeah. He makes this weird look on his face. And he's just enjoying himself watching all this goes on. I'm telling you, there are more people that I know that lack appreciation and lack gratitude that are true energy vampires. Not only are they miserable, they just want to make sure everybody around them is miserable as well. We are to be fully alive. We are to see with our eyes and follow our heart. God gave you the desires that you have. Not all desires are sinful and bad. They're not all that way. The first reader, they say, well, follow the impulses of your heart and follow the desire of your eyes. Well, I know exactly what that means. I mean, I'm going to covet, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to act this way, and I'm going to be selfish and stuff. Wait a minute. Wait. You are unique workmanship created in Christ Jesus, the, the New Testament documents tell us, for good works. There's a standard to this discovery. There's a standard to this behavior. But we are to be walking around with impulses in our heart, with desires in our eyes, wanting to do good for mankind, wanting to care for each other, wanting to, to, to please God and act. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. Let your heart be pleasant during this day. Now, he throws in that line, yet no. That's two very solemn words right there. Yet no, that God will bring you into judgment for all these things. Keep in mind that you are accountable for the decisions we make, you make and the paths that we take. We're accountable for it. There's a lot of conversation right now in our, our slightly agitated political landscape about the idea of freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Freedom of speech may give you the right or the ability to say what you want to say, but it does not make you free from the consequences of your remarks. Chapter 11, verse number 10, remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remove. The King James, I don't read much out of the King James, but it's got a really cool word for that. It says remove vexation from your heart. It's kind of the concept of being vapor locked. When we have grief and when we have anger, it becomes the fuel that we use to launch our remarks. And it controls our attitude. Man, just take 15, 20 minutes and read the remarks on Facebook that people say about the things they don't like. You have to search high and low on Facebook to find a bad restaurant review. But, boy, you can find some nasty political commentary on Facebook in the first 30 seconds. And because the people that they're making these remarks about in their mind, and maybe even in true practice, are horrible people. They're cads. 
and they're terrible. This this entitlement sensation of having all this anger in their lives and saying these angry statements, well, I wouldn't be talking like this if this person wasn't that way. Yeah, you would. It'd just be about somebody else. We're fooling ourselves to think that anything entered into the world. The, by the way, also a statement out of the, out of, from uh, King Solomon is there's nothing new under the sun. You think your outrage is new. You think this landscape is new. You think this is not new. It happened in Babylon. It happened in Rome. It happened in Greece. It happened in you name it. It's happened before. Maybe the outcomes have been different. But we've got to remove grief and anger from our and pain. Put it away from our body. Put pain away from our body. What do you mean by put pain away from your body? You can be talking something as simple as just coming home at night and it's been a long day and start to drink and drink and drink. And next morning you wake up miserable and, and sick and, and hurting. If you're out there right now and part of your New Year's resolution is you're going to get that brand new dad bod. If you're doing it because you want to be healthy and you want to last a long time for your family. If you're somebody like me who is old and ancient with young children, I got to make it to at least 80. I got to. Then that's a great reason. But if you're doing it because you think you're going to get approval from the people out there because, oh, look at that guy. He's almost 60 years old and he's in great shape. It isn't going to happen. It's just pain. We've been so consumed. Listen carefully to this. We've been so consumed by our past failures and our pain that we're locked up from living our lives now. Let me say that again. We are so consumed by our past failures and our past pain that we're locked up, vexed from getting anything done in our lives now. We put ourselves through so much extra pain and so much extra suffering, making decisions we know are going to hurt, making decisions we know are going to leave a mark. It's time to stop. It's time to stop. He says in the verse here, because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting, no one lives forever. Let me ask you this. If today, no matter what your age and your situation may be, but if today was the last day, if this is it for you, is this the way you want the story to end? Is this the way you want the story to end? When people look back and, be, and they'll say all kinds of glowing things when you first die, that's everybody's job. We have to say nice things about me when I die. I'll say nice things about you when you die, I promise. And then after that, we'll tell each other the truth. Did you live a life with no appreciation, with no gratitude? Was it just grief and anger that fueled you because you're not where you think you should be? Or you hate somebody or something so great that you just spent hours involved in this hatred. Hating and expressing, containing hate and grief in your body is like burning your house down to kill the rat. It'll do it, but nothing will be left. The scripture tells us in many places and in many ways that we don't have forever. The life is fleeting. So if you want to be angry, by the way, I want to back up and say one thing. When I talk about grief, there is mourning and grief that is going to last you your lifetime. There are events that are going to be painful, and you need to work through those. 
You need to mourn those. I understand that. But the kind of grief he's talking about here isn't the kind of grief that's attached to just the concept of mourning. It's attached to the concept of pain, carrying extra weight, making things harder for yourself and the people around you than they need to be. Chapter 12, verse number one, remember. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. We seem to be able to remember God when the challenges of the life are great. Throw up a prayer. Help me get this job. Help me get through this time. Please be with me. Um, help me not get killed. <laughs> <clears throat> but what about the daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly rhythms that build the idea of remembrances? Now, most Christians wouldn't have a problem with hearing part of that. They have a weekly remembrance. It's called church. What about daily? What about monthly? What about being connected constantly to the creator, to remember him. Because our author here says that there are evil days coming. There are years coming where I'm going to look at these times and I'm going to say, man, I, I have no delight in this. Will you remember God? So many people, so many people have a safe soul but a lost life. They're just moving from one service to another service, one event to another service. And I hear people say, oh, I got to get in. I got to get recharged. I, I got to get my batteries recharged. That's why we're here. Uh, we got to get our batteries recharged. What exactly are you doing that's draining your batteries? What exactly are you doing that's draining your batteries? Well, it's a pretty easy answer. You're not staying connected. Come in on Sunday, plug into the wall. Uh, collect some money, sing some songs, meet some people, probably go to lunch, shake hands with God on the way out, hit the parking lot, unplug, go back through the wet life because I can't be plugged in over there and be behaving like this over here. And then a week later, you're like, wow, what a week. I got to go back and plug. Why aren't we just staying connected? Solomon says, remember also your creator. Remember also. When you're remembering the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes, when you're remembering attitude, your attitude of gratitude and appreciation, when you're remembering to put pain and grief and anger away from your body, when you're remembering these things, remember also your creator. Because remembering creator, remembering God, is the best tool for spiritual transformation, from moving from where you are to what God wants for you to what God wants you to do is simply being connected to creator. The idea of a remembrance is a concept that requires focus, concentration, and most importantly, calling time out. Calling time out. And this is where most people fail. This is where most people will fail. You have to focus at it. You have to want this relationship. You have to work at this relationship. You have to be willing to spend the time to develop it, to spend time with God, to remember. You have to concentrate on it. Phones are ringing and emails are coming in. and all, No, stop. You've got to call time out. That's the entire concept, by the way, of the Jewish Sabbath is a time out. Sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday. Time out. Put aside the work of your labors. Put aside the things that are happening. 
and, and get that opportunity to just spend time with God, with your loved ones, with your family, to remember why we do this in the first place. Now, we've got to find a way to stop the madness, and I mean stop the madness, of life and pull alongside God. The other day I was talking to somebody, just a nice man. He's he's probably 25 years older than me. I know if you believe that. He's in his 80s, something like that. Anyway, nice man. We were talking the other day about about being a Christian. He's been a Christian for a long time. Long time. And he said this. He said that people easily identify as Christians. They identify as Christians about how they vote, how they live their lives, what kind of church they go to, the kind of people they hang around with, the denominations. He said they identify easily as being a Christian. But he said, you know, Dave, I find that they struggle to explain their identity and connection with Jesus. And I asked him, I said, can you say that again? I just want to hear you say that one more time. He said that people easily identify as Christians. He said, but they struggle to explain an identity with Jesus. Rejoice. Follow the impulses of your heart and the desire of your eyes. No God will bring you into judgment for the decisions that you make, but enjoy life. Enjoy people. Remove. Take grief, anxiety, anger, hatred, this bitterness, and remove this pain from your body. You won't find the career you're looking for. You won't find the soulmate you're looking for. You won't find the keys to parenting you're looking for. You won't find the things you're looking for when you're miserable. And last of all, remember, it's interesting to me what we remember and when we remember it. It's interesting to me how sometimes you just think of something and you're like, wow. Or somebody will say, hey, remember when we did this? And I mean, for all intents and purposes, I've totally forgotten about it. Somebody will tell a story and you'll think, Oh, I remember doing something like that once. In your mind is a collection of the greatest moments of your life. In your mind are the greatest moments of your life. In your soul are the greatest moments of your life you've yet to live. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. And whether you join me either live or on archive, thank you so much. And I'll see you guys, yep, we get to say it, next year.